0: Hey, 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 closet busters, come on and gather around. It's time once again to kick down those closet doors of life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, bold move expert and coming out coach. And I'm going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloseted. So come on, grab a hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into living your truth as we explore more stories, tips, and tricks for living your life uncloseted. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 closet dwellers and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloseted, the podcast. I am your host, Rick Clemens. And I got to tell you, sometimes once you start making those big, bold moves, they just keep coming and coming and coming. Now here's the truth. You kind of get the blueprint of it, and you do it, and you go, okay, I can do this all the time. That doesn't mean it's going to be a piece of cake or that you're just going to be able to dance and sing your way through life doing your bold moves, but you might just be one of those people who is dancing and singing your way through life to make the bold moves. And that's why I brought back a guest that we've already had on He is definitely singing and songwriting and dancing and acting and doing music videos and living big, bold and outside of that closet in his life. And I'm so excited to have him back. He's got some great stuff going on in his life. His name is Davis Mallory, and I'm going to just kind of shut up because I want to get him on here. I want to start talking about where he's been, but he is like, to me, one of the epitomes of going and making the moves, living your bold life and continuing to live your life uncloseted. Welcome back to the podcast, man. It's been probably what a good year since we chatted the last time. Yeah, I think it's just been about an exact year. So thank yeah, I you think very much. Too, yeah, so well, I'm so excited. You have been doing so much cool stuff. I know that you've got some new music coming out. In fact, you're going to be releasing something in just the next few days. Um, Sun and Moon, we're going to talk about that. But you've been making some headway in just some really cool spaces. I know in the last month you went and worked on a panel in L.A., right?
1: Yeah, exactly. went to L.A. for um, out Web Fest part of reverie tv which is an lgbt on-demand network and they have a, a kind of a film festival for music videos and films with lgbt themes
0: that's and awesome. they
1: selected my music video uh with french dj loic tenelo we did a mm-hmm. song called dance with me and they chose it as one of i think only five music videos that were, were shown at the, the festival
0: that's awesome man that's so cool so what i'm just curious i don't think we got into this last time but um what do you enjoy doing most these days? Is it the music videos? Is it the music? Is it the songwriting? What is the thing that really like, if you could do it all day long, what would you do?
1: It's interesting you ask that question because I sing a lot. So I think mm-hmm. that's what comes most naturally and kind of drives this whole career. Music videos are kind of stressful. They're fun to do, but there's so much planning into them. And then the day of it's like hurtling cattle when it comes to bringing people on set and right. everyone doing a different job so i almost find them to be kind of draining and when they're over mm. i'm happy they're done and then singing on stage has this added thrill but also i get nervous before i go on stage mm-hmm. and i kind of i'm still kind of working through my comfortability with performing live
0: yeah
1: so i think the writing process is probably the most stress-free part of the whole thing so i probably right. like that the,
0: the most well, I, I would think, too, that, um, you know, Davis, it probably comes from a space kind of like kind of like me as a speaker. I love, you know, coming up with the speeches and working through In fact, I'm working on a new speech right now. And, and I'm not Mr. Like, OK, here's the speech. Let's memorize. I'm more of let's get the concept of it, which I know is different than songwriting because you've got to get the words down. Then you've got to put it to music and then you do start to memorize. I do memorize a little bit, but I love I love the creation of the speech. I love that part because that's where I get to be like in my head and thinking about, okay, how do I want this to roll? How do I want it to land with an audience? And it's probably very similar for you as you're writing songs. You're, you're kind of digging into that deeper part of yourself or into memories or things that are hitting you. And then it's just flow. It could be challenging too, <laughs> sure. But I'm hearing you say it's kind of flow for you. You can really just flow with it.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's just it kind of just a random flow of thoughts mm-hmm. I'll, someone will give me an instrumental and i'll sing complimentary melodies and whatever lyrics come to my brain just kind of easy um that's the fun part <laughs> that's yeah, where
0: yeah. the work yeah but i hear you um, too about being on set because i, I i've interviewed a few other singers on um, brandon stansell is another one i interviewed in the last year and he kind of talked about that too it's like yeah the music video is really cool when it's like when it's done (laughs) and you can sit there and go, okay, there it is. Look, it looks really cool. But man, it's just chaotic. It's kind of chaotic because there's so many people, there's so much stuff going on. And then on top of that, you got to do the thing you do and be creative and look cool as a cucumber. All that sort of stuff is happening simultaneous. Is that kind of what happens for you too?
1: Yeah, exactly. The one for the sun and moon we had, two people from the press come and interview me during the filming and i had five or six dancers and a makeup artist so there was a lot of people on set me i felt like i was getting pulled in so many different directions it was and i felt like i had to play host to so a lot of people like you're hosting a party but i'm also having to perform mm-hmm. so it's kind of, kind of hard to do
0: yeah so what's driving a lot of the creativity these days is it coming from a certain space is it certain things going on in your life or things that you're seeing around the world, what's really driving some of the lyrics and stuff that's coming into your vocabulary of music.
1: Last year, when I put out my very first album loud, I would, I'd been dating a guy for three years and Mm -hmm. we'd broken up around the release. So some of the songs were sad. Some of them were sort of like me starting to date again, new people and kind of feeling feelings for different people. In my most recent, life like the last six months i've been writing a lot of music and it's it's not super love inspired it's more happy my lyrics i i feel like my lyrics are getting better and my even my writing style is getting better um and each of the songs i have written that i'm about to release out are but they're not really about a certain person anymore because i've been trying to stay single for the last year and i've pretty much successfully have um so that I can focus on myself and try Mm -hmm. to take my career to where I want it to go. So there, there are still times like I have a song coming out in the next year. that's going to be called downtown. Mm -hmm. And it's just I wrote a story about when I was DJing and a guy asked me to play some songs throughout the night for him. And, um, every time I took his request and I played it, he got really excited. And then he would come over to me and ask me for another song. And then at the very end of the night, I saw him when I was closing down, he invited me home with him. So I thought he was gay and when I got to his hotel, found out he was straight and then didn't want to do anything mm. and then he ended up like doing cocaine and passing out and I was like, okay, this is weird. I'm going to leave. So I messaged him the next day and I was like, hey, thanks for inviting me over. By the way, are you gay? And he said, no, dude, I'm straight. And I was like, okay, I just took it the wrong way. Like, right. well, anyway, you know, love to stay friends with you. But then he just, he really just didn't message me back. So I was like, all right, that was, I I have a feeling he's probably gay. He just isn't comfortable with it yet. Mm -hmm. But um, I wrote this song that was kind of about that night and the lyrics are like, quit playing games, Um, quit saying things to me. You don't mean, you know, it's true. Mm -hmm. Tonight I'm going downtown and it's kind of like an anthem to just that Mm -hmm. experience. Um, And then the song, The Sun and Moon is actually about, I was, The day before I wrote The Sun and Moon, I'd been working with a very cute Danish music producer for three days. I was in the studio with him all day, every day for three days, and I started developing a crush on him. Uh I also couldn't quite tell if he was gay. He had a lot of feminine mannerisms, but he was European, so that's kind of, they're hard to read. Right. And then the next day I went to Sweden, and having had this kind of like crush on him, I wrote a song called The Sun and Moon that was about him and this crush that I I'm really bad when I like a guy and I don't know if they're gay uh, telling them that I think they're cute because if I know they're gay, it's like easy. But if I don't know they're gay, then it's really hard for me to talk about it. Mm. Um, So those are the kind of things that my music has been about lately, but different songs about different things, I guess. Mm -hmm.
0: I'm curious because you just brought this up and it's something that I find so interesting. Why do you think it's so hard for men? Okay, it doesn't matter gay or straight, but because you and I are both gay, I'm going to go that direction. Why do you think it's so hard for us as just men, take the gay piece out of it, to acknowledge each other as handsome or good-looking? Why do you think we yeah, struggle with this?
1: You know, I, I actually had this encounter while I was in Amsterdam where this guy that I had um, found really handsome and had become close friends with, and I was living in Amsterdam for two months. On my very last week in Europe, he seemed sad that I was leaving. And so I asked him to come over to my house and watch a movie and he put on a gay movie. And as I was watching this gay movie with him, I was like, okay, this is his ability to come out to me. So when we went to say goodbye, instead of just hugging him goodbye, I kissed him on the lips and he kissed me back. And then he told me that I was the very first guy he'd ever kissed in his life. Hmm. And it made me wonder if, this something this kind of reaction has gone on before with me and other men and they just haven't been able to have the bravery to do it because they can't admit that they find other men attractive um Mm -hmm. and then he quickly called things off with me when i got back to america and said he wasn't ready to be out Mm -hmm. um but it it had made me think about the fact that we as men are not really comfortable with our attraction to other men Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um
0: and I see it in my I see it in my straight friends a lot, you know, because I'm I'm the kind of guy that I I will you know kind of flirt with them just to like just to bug them, you know. And there's those that they just flirt right back. and I know there's totally nothing going to happen. One of my buddies calls me Sexy Buddha because I'm a big guy, and and he I always tell him how much of a man crush I have on him, and that's the only reason we're friends is because I have a man crush on. You know, we do that old banter, but. I find it so interesting, and maybe because I'm doing a lot of work with men and their masculinity these days, and especially in a Me Too world, you know, that now that we have the whole Me Too movement going on, I find just so called to do this work right now, that if we could be comfortable enough in who we are as men, take the sexuality piece out of it, but if we could be comfortable enough in who we are as men, how different we might be as a planet with men being able to say, Hey, you're kind of a good looking guy or you're hot or you're a stud or whatever. Now I know jokingly guys will do that, but it's almost like the locker room talk, you know, you're a stud is the same as hello. So did you, you know, did you get a piece of ass, you know? And I, I I just feel like there's this space right now, this calling, especially through the creative um, industries to help men start to push those boundaries and start to come forward and say a whole different kind of me too, so to speak, that, yeah, I'd like to be much more open with my with my male friends and say, wow, I really admire you or I really find you attractive. No sex involved. I just find you an attractive man. And I remember I said this to one of my friends a few a couple of months ago. I said, you know, I want you to know I find you really attractive as a man. And I know you're straight. I'm just saying, I want you to know I find you attractive because I think you're a beautiful man. And he didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> I mean... It took him a day or two to get there, but he didn't really know what to do with it. So I think the sort of stuff you're kind of, I'm going to say dabbling in, so to speak, but you you kind of indicate, you know, I seem to do this with these guys. It may be just an interesting space that this is not only through your music and stuff, but this may be part of what you're called to this planet to do, to kind of, you know, toy and awaken guys to, okay, maybe this is who I'm supposed to be don't know but it's just as you were talking i thought that's kind of an interesting thing that you keep you know seeming to do with men
1: yeah it is interesting um
0: does it make you feel weird when you find out that they're not so open to it or do you just kind of go okay well that that was just the experience and you move on
1: um i mean i think that it i hate to say it this way because i'm a good looking guy that it happens to me somewhat frequently where I'll either be someone's first experience with a guy or mm-hmm. you know, I've had guys that have thought they were straight pull around with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is uncomfortable because my last boyfriend, the reason we broke up is because I was his very first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And he never wanted to come out and he still hasn't come out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to date people in the closet again. Yeah. So I have tried not to Go um, after that mm-hmm. kind of a person anymore, as a part, of, as far as like a,
0: a love so partner. I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up. Not that I want to go into this whole therapeutic thing, but you keep bringing these things up. I'm like, okay, this is a topic we haven't really talked about in a while. So it is a struggle, and I know I was I was one of those guys who dated somebody, and they were my first guy. It is such a struggle to be somebody's first guy. It yeah. is. And I don't think people get that, especially people who are coming out and, you know, you know, my work, it's a lot of, a lot of it still is coming out people late in life doing that. And then they latch onto somebody. So what were some of the, what are, you know, without going into a whole lot of detail, what was some of the challenge for you being that person's first?
1: I mean, I wanted to hold hands in public and I wanted to introduce them to all of my friends as my love interest. Mm -hmm. And they were uncomfortable with both. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had to either be like, well, you're a valuable person to me. And like, I really love who you are. And to be honest, I still am in love with that ex-boyfriend of mine. In some ways, I still think about him. So I had to kind of just sacrifice what I wanted in a relationship to have this person in my life. And that was hard. And then in the very end, he broke things off with me. And I still stayed in love with him for a lot longer than he was. Um And to this day, we haven't even spoken in about a year. And I talked to him uh, uh, this year. I wrote him an email and he didn't write back. So it was not easy for me. Um,
0: But it is interesting to hear you say, because I know everybody makes sacrifices, you know, to be with someone. But the way you said it, you know, the sacrifices to be in, you know, have him in my life. It's. It's something that you kind of wake up to at some point, if, you, if you're really awaking to it. Some people never wake up to it. They're like, okay, I'm, I'm sacrificing this, I'm sacrificing that, but I'm going to stay in this. And you awaken to it. And I think that's something that's very beautiful. Because when you do awaken to this, even though, you know, he broke it off, when you it sounds like you have woken up to this, that this is not what I need to be doing. It's yeah. just, it's not where you need to be. And those life lessons are some of the hardest we learn, but they're also the thing that gives us the most strength to move on and to kind of break the patterns. You know, I went through, right after I came out, I went through kind of a pattern of dating guys, like the typical not available, you know, they were the not available because They didn't like the idea of you know me having an ex wife and kids, or they didn't like the idea that my time was really focused on my kids as well as them, or they didn't like it that there was no chance in hell I was moving away from Southern California because that's where my wife and ex wife and kids were. There was always okay, I like you, but I can't be available to you the way I want to. And then I finally said, this isn't going to work. I can't keep going after these guys, no matter who they are. I've got to find the guy that's like okay, well, I'm willing to make some sacrifices. And I yeah. needed to be willing to make some sacrifices too. you know. And I think that's the interesting space when we go through these life lessons like you've done and you start to wake up to this and go, okay, this isn't a good fit and this isn't good for me. Yeah, exactly. So this sort of stuff, do you find that it gives you the inspiration creatively, not just in the songwriting? Is there stuff that starts to show up in the way the music videos get produced and the design element, or is mostly just in the songwriting that you start to take these life lessons and overlay them into the creative part of your life?
1: Well, I mean, when it comes to the music video for that song I described to you about that guy that had
0: mm-hmm.
1: been kind of giving me just weird signals and was very drunk and I think was possibly homosexual, just couldn't deal with it. Right. Um, I'm going to actually make a music video that basically just recreates that night. Yep. So, um, and then I don't really have other music videos on the table right now that are um, really about life experiences other than that one. But Mm -hmm. I do tend to uh, kind of pair video with storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I just, like I said, I finished The Sun and Moon and I wanted in the music video for Sun and Moon, there to be some element of the fact that the song is about a male love interest, right. um, because to my own like fault, I haven't really put out a bold music video yet that shows myself as gay, even though I'm comfortable with doing that. I just haven't done it, so I'm trying to go further in that direction with my videos. Um, and for the Sun and Moon, it doesn't really have a very strong gay storyline, mm-hmm. but I do have a guy that is used as just a sort of direct visual to the fact that the song is about like, attraction right. to attracting
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so. so as a,
0: as a singer and a songwriter as a, you know, gay singer songwriter, is there a gay, lesbian, I don't even maybe transgender singer songwriter that is kind of like your muse, the person who inspires you, or is it somebody else in the music industry that really drives you forward?
1: Well, it's interesting you said that because um just very recently I had the opportunity to meet Justin Tranter, who is very well known for writing Justin Bieber's song, Sorry, and Selena Gomez's song, Bad Liar, and he's written songs by Britney Spears and Katy Perry. And he's someone I greatly admire, and he turned out to be super delightful. He's like really smart. He's an activist for a lot of causes, and he... Well, it was, he was someone that I've looked up to and, you know, a lot of times you meet people you look up to and they're not nice or they have an Mm -hmm. ego, but he he was neither. He was really nice and, um, really friendly. Um, so he was someone that I, he is someone I look up to as far as like an LGBT Mm -hmm. advocate and writer, songwriter.
0: So what, what, what about him inspires you? I'm always curious when people say that.
1: I mean, I think I, my music is very mainstream pop and like his music is (laughs) even light years ahead of that. It's like, Mm -hmm. he's had number one songs. Right. right. Um, he's a gay man and he's, he's out and he's loud and he's proud about his sexuality and his, Mm -hmm. he says that he's gender Mm non-conforming and he's, um, he's a, I don't know. I just think he's cool. Mm -hmm. Someone I certainly look up to and,
0: um, would like I think it's happen. interesting when we can find those people because, you know, it's not only a guidepost, so to speak. It's, it's not just somebody we go, oh yeah, they're kind of like someone I admire, and I and could I wish they were a mentor. It's really that person that that I look to, you know, to, to give me a spark on those days when I'm just like, I hate this. I don't want to be doing this anymore. And then I I will go and I will step into those people who most inspire me. Even if I've never had a conversation with them or met them, I go and I step into it and go, but this is, this is why you're doing this because you have the spark. You have the person that you go, I aspire. I don't like to use the term aspire to be like them, but I aspire to do the kind of things that they have done to contribute to the planet, you know? I don't think I want to be like anybody. I want to be me. But I also want to take what I've seen in certain people and go, yes, that's it. (laughs) You know, that's that's the person I want to be. You know, I want to be doing things that has that kind of impact in the world. And I think it's great when an artist will share, well, yeah, you know, most people, oh yeah, you know, this was my influence. And I get the influence piece, but I I really like to look for, okay, where's that person? And I'm sure a lot of people Unless you're in the industry, you have probably never heard of him. You may have if yeah. you're really deep into. Okay, who are the songwriters behind the big, you know, the big names? But to hear somebody that I, I'd never heard of him until you said that, but then as you started listening off the songs, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I know those songs. So, uh, so that's very yeah. really cool. So I also found it really powerful when you said you've chosen to be single for the last year. Was that a tough choice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll be—I'll be honest. It's—it was hard because I think I was addicted. You know, I—I've been trying to work through my addictions in the last year because I, one of the reasons that—and I'll talk openly about it—that my ex-boyfriend and I had our like final end is that I punched him in the face when I was drunk. But I was also dealing with a lot of pent-up aggression towards him and resentment towards him. And um, I've become sober over a year now from. Alcohol, which also relates to all other drugs, too. I never really was a drug user, but I uh, have definitely tried things and I'm completely sober as of January 29th. Awesome. So that also played itself into just a relationship addiction and sex addiction that I was also trying to become, uh, to sort of like deal with second to, um, to alcohol. And, um, you know, it was really easy to get on the dating apps and try to replace my boyfriend with someone else, mm-hmm. I just didn't really feel like that was healthy for me as I was trying to uh, deal with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So I have yeah, kind of just fought off dating. Um, I did date a guy, who, actually, we, we just broke up about uh, two weeks ago, but we only dated for about three weeks. And I told him, um, I just didn't feel like, a, a, we were even meant to be together. I just didn't feel like we were very compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, I was starting to feel some of the same sort of aggressive nature that i felt towards my ex towards him and i didn't like that and it made me feel like i need to stay single longer and still sort of work through because i think it's hard for two men to date Mm because men are usually the head of the household and they're you know they're competitive and they're leaders and when and for me i'm i'm a strong male so when someone starts to tell me what to do i don't like it and so when I start to date a man and then they start to be bossy with me or critical towards me, like it, it strikes out this sort of aggressive nature. I don't really want to feel. So I felt like when I was dating this certain guy, when he would do things that felt like he was nagging or being critical towards me, I just, was. it was like the same thing I felt for my ex. I was starting to feel for him and I was like, okay, I still don't want to be dating anybody right now. I, just want, I actually am
0: happier alone. I think that's a beautiful, I hate it when I say I think because I use that a lot. But as I'm sitting here thinking through what you're saying, it's a beautiful self-awareness. And yeah. it isn't easy. And especially, and I love all my gay brothers, even those that are listening. right know, even though I've never met you, I love you for listening. I also love you because I think our struggle, I hate to use this phrase, but the struggle is real. The struggle is real to try to date men. So of course, you know, I could just I just open the door to all the right wing Christians will go. See, we told you. No, the struggle is real to date anybody. Yeah. But when you have the masculine energy and the masculine energy, which I I personally believe is a natural thing that happens, is there is to me homosexuality is as natural as heterosexuality. They're just they're just this is just the way it is. But there's a challenge when it's definitely masculine and. A lot of people say, well, but what about the guys that are really effeminate? I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's still the masculine energy to masculine energy happening here, folks. Because yeah. there are women who have a lot of masculine energy too. And I have been in a lot of friendships with those kind of women. And I like feel that same thing. I feel the aggression. I feel the like need to be in control, all that sort of stuff. And for you to be able to be so dialed into what you see is a beautiful thing because so many people don't dial into that. And then they keep going back. They keep doing the same thing. They keep dating the same kind of people. They keep having the same kind of relationships. They may come off of whatever addiction wagon they're on. And then they go, why can't I get this right? When the simplest thing is wake up, be awake yeah. and see what's happening yeah. for you. You know? So what's been the biggest struggle then? You've gone through a whole lot of stuff in the last year. You've had some good, you know, breaks and some success, had a breakup, come through your addiction. Where's the biggest struggle been?
1: Um, I feel like lately, it's like someone asked me yesterday, if I could have anything in the world, what would um, I have? And I would would just say that I would want to have more of my career fulfilled for me. Lately, I've just been wanting to find a good artist manager, I want to dabble in acting, but in a role that would involve me singing. And I would like for a song to actually break through of mine and actually, you know, get on the radio and, and sort of help me become the artist that I want to be. So a lot of the, the struggle right now is just sort of still chasing the dream. Mm-hmm. And in, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful for the success that I have had because I have had success. Like I think I told you I, I've had seven songs of mine signed to record yeah. labels on Sony, Sony and Warner which is a really great feeling. Um, Hardly any of them have paid any money and um, they haven't really resulted in a lot of performing the way I would like to be touring and performing, although I am playing several gay gay pride this year. But um, I think that's just
0: still this. I still am trying to become fulfilled in my career. Mm -hmm. So career fulfillment is a biggie for many people. I'm curious, what would, what would fulfillment really look like? For you would it be yeah, a, like a, a full gig a tour would it be a man in your life i mean it's so and i'm sorry i'm kind of in coach mode right now but i just i love ass answering or asking that question of people because i think the more we can hear what other people's perspectives is of fulfillment the easier it becomes to start to define it for ourselves if you're struggling with that
1: yeah I mean, as much as I would love to be in a relationship with someone, I just don't really want to be in one just to be in one. Mm-hmm. And so I'm being incredibly picky about people when I go on dates or if I, if there's some, you know, if something, you know, like I, I, I just happen to, go, I'm not really trying to date people is what I'm trying to backtrack and say. But when people enter into my world sporadically, you know, I'm just being really wise about, like, will this actually work out? So I don't want to just wind up in something um, again. And then, um, yeah, career fulfillment is sort of the biggest goal. And I guess someone else asked me, when I was having the same conversation the other day with a friend about what would make me happy, I was, you know, I really enjoy exercise and, and being outside. And I'm also trying to think through what city I want to live in. because so I've been in Nashville for five years. And while the city is like built on music and I've done a lot of with my musical dreams here, um, being on TV again and, and film and acting, there's not very many times the movie will film here or even TV shows film. Right. Here. We have the Nashville TV show and that's kind of almost over now and really no movies. So I think it's time for me to move to another city. I want to chase that dream. And that's like the current dilemma slash decision Mm
0: -hmm. so when you think about a city and i'm not talking about giving us a specific name but what are some of the what are some of the characteristics a fulfilling city would have for you
1: well you know a vibrant gay aspect um and and i'm actually trying to decide between new york la and someplace in europe um and then a rich environment of musicians and music producers so that i can collaborate and still consistently create music i want to move to some city that doesn't have a music culture um and outdoors like sun warmer weather would mm-hmm. be perfect that's why new york isn't really calling me yeah. that well since even parts of europe i don't want to be there during the winter
0: right so. right and yeah, now i get it you know it's so interesting because i i know that that kind of question kind of can stop a lot of people. And, and that's why I say, don't put in, don't necessarily put a, a city name on it, but what are the characteristics? And I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, who's in kind of a similar space, trying to figure out where she's going next. And she's actually packed up everything for the next three months, left her job and she's off in Asia for three months, just trying to figure out what's next. And she said, it has to be interesting. It has to scare me a little bit, but not frighten me. It has to be a space where I can decide to go do whatever I want to do, kind of whenever I want to. And it has to be a space that I know has a heartbeat. She Hmm. was happy, you know, and I thought those were some really interesting descriptors, you know. And especially the, I wanted to be a little scary, but I don't want it to frighten me. And when I delved into it with her, I said, so tell me a little bit more about that. And she goes, well, I want it to be scary to not know exactly what to expect, but I don't want to be like walking someplace and feel like I can't be there and, and not feel safe as a well. woman. You know, and I said, "Okay, I get that. I get that whole piece of it. You know, it's a very interesting way to approach things." With that. So you've got a lot going on, lots of things moving forward. A year from now, if you could be having this conversation with me, since we seem to have start, started this pattern, um, what would you like to be different? Well, I mean,
1: I really hope that the song that I put out, "Sun and Moon," actually gets on the radio, which mm-hmm. is currently something I'm working on. Um sending it out to certain people mm-hmm. that work in radio. Um, you know, I'd love for next summer that I actually play some some mainstream music festivals. Things like Coachella, Lollapalooza, South by Southwest, for example, mm-hmm. our current goals. And I would like to have sort of checked off that bucket list item of, of finding a of a, a movie of some kind that allows me to sing. Mm-hmm. So those are,
0: those are things I'd love to have done by next year. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice goals, man. Really nice goals. So you've gone through a lot of changes since we last talked. Um, what do you think you've most learned about yourself over the last year?
1: Um, I feel like sobriety is the best decision for me personally. Um, and that's my favorite thing. That's my favorite success story that I've accomplished. Um, because even as early as just this weekend, I went to two really drunk people riding an elevator, trying to push the button on their elevator, holding drinks in their hand. And I was worried about them, hoping that they'd make it safe through the night. And last weekend, I was DJing. This really nice woman started hitting on me. Then I told her I was gay. Then she said she wanted to set me up with her cousin. And then at the end of the night, I saw her get escorted out in an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And I was really saddened to see that. Mm-hmm. And Every weekend, as a DJ, that I see people just overdrink. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's my favorite thing. You know, it is
0: interesting and I'm not I'm not sober and I don't drink a lot, but a few weeks ago my husband and I went to a fundraiser at a friend's house for um, the AIDS lifecycle ride that, that happens here in California. And there's about 15 of us and and we drank we drank way more than I have in probably 3 years. I mean, we have our wine, we have a, you know, glass or two of wine on the weekends, every night on the weekend. And the next day we woke up and I had to, I had a coffee meeting I had to go to that next morning. And it was like all I could do to get through it and came home. I tried to sleep, but you know, it was one of those hangovers where you're so tired, you can't sleep. You don't feel like eating anything, but you're so hungry. And the whole next day was completely wasted. And at the end of the day, my husband and I, you know, we, we probably, we definitely shouldn't have been driving home that night. And I said, you know, I'm really glad that we see this and this isn't the way we do life. It's that once in a while thing that happens. And I said, let's make a pact for each other. that if we do this again, there is not going to be any driving home. We'll get an Uber or whatever it is. And I think the awareness of you being able to see, as you said, sobriety is the best decision for me. It was a statement that that's why I'm sharing this story because for us, it's like we can enjoy our wine and our drink. And actually that's all we drink at this point. We don't, my husband drinks beer, but no hard liquor. We neither one can do it. And it's not something we enjoy, but to be able to say, so we're drinking. I know that sounds really weird But sober drinking is really good for us. And what I mean by sober drinking is we know that we can do maybe a bottle of wine between the two of us over a two or three hour period and we're good. We sleep better. We don't have that like, oh my God, we never, I mean, I I honestly can't even remember last time I woke up with a hangover other than that night a few weeks ago. And I wish more people would allow themselves to awaken. And I love what you said, man, to awaken to the best decisions for themselves because the best decisions truly lead to the best success stories for who they are. Yeah. And so beautifully shared that. And um, I'm so happy for you, man. Sounds like, thank you, things, you know, so um, any advice you want to leave for any of our listeners, because we have listeners from all walks of life these days. It's not just the LGBTQ community. It's people who are struggling to make a, a big change <laughs> in their life or a bold move where they're trying to find that pathway to, their own personal brand of freedom. Um, so anything that you've learned in the last year? That I, just, you don't I feel to like you? Honest,
1: honesty in all ways is key when it comes to coming out, dealing with conflict. Um, it's just you know, having that conversation that is uh, hard to have is mean, so free and that, that comes with coming out and it also comes with dealing with conflict within you know relationships you have in your life, but I feel like that's something I would encourage for everyone who's listening to have those uh, uncomfortable conversations and, mm-hmm. in an honest way around. Themselves.
0: You know, I don't know how you just did this, but I just interviewed and it's actually, uh, it's either airing right before this podcast airs or right after I interviewed um, a, a lady by the name of Lynn she is the conflict closer and we had a whole conversation about how conflict is so vital to bring an honesty into anything you do and um, so interesting that the vibes were there that energy just connected tying two shows together but i um, very cool man and i just want to thank you for your honesty and for being you and continuing to pursue your dreams your life making your bold moves and constantly just mirroring what it means to live your life on closet. it's just it's a pleasure to be acquainted with you and to once again have you on the podcast man so thanks so much for carving time out today and sharing your beautiful self with my audience oh, thank you so much alright there you have it another episode of Life on Closet has come to an end but that's okay we're going to be back in just a couple of days sharing more stories tips tricks and wisdom for helping you live your life on closet. And you know what? You can share it too. Just take a few moments, if you like, and if you believe in this podcast, and share it with someone you know today. Share it from your phone, go share it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Maybe even give us a rating and review, because you know what? It's all about the planet living their life uncloseted. I'm Rick Clemens, host of the show, and the guy who helps you make those big, bold moves. And I hope you never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted. Catch you real soon. Take care, everyone.